Hey shippers, welcome to another kind of spooky episode that we have for you today. Spooky? I consider this a spooky tale. Alright, let's do it. So, get ready everybody for a spooky tale as we dive into Hester and Dimsdale. Do we ship it? Listen to find out. Hi everyone, I'm Steph. And I'm Devin. And welcome to the We Ship It podcast, where Devin and I and our occasional guests gab and goss about our favorite and not-so-favorite ships of all time. However, today it's just us. (laughs) 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 We have had a lot of guests this season, and I feel like the past few, it's just been kind of nice for me and you to battle it out back and forth. Connect. Connect a little bit more. Return to our roots. Yes, our roots, which is really funny to me because... We always, our roots, I would consider to be the classic tales that, like, no one likes anymore. <laughs> like the Scarlet Letter. <laughs> so you're saying this is perfect for us? <laughs> I think it's great. But here's the thing. I actually never read the Scarlet Letter in high school. Me neither. So. We took the same classes, so that would oh, make sense. Oh, yeah. Well, I feel like a lot of people <laughs> did, though. Like, a lot of people read it um, in accordance with the Crucible, or at least my during, like, my parents' age group did. Yeah, so, that makes sense. Yeah, so the reason I called this a spooky tale is because all this. It's not all that spooky. It's not really that spooky, but all of this puritanical, like, Oh, she's a witch, or like she is, you know. In this case, a hoe. Uh, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna, you know, punish this person. That always, I always equate it to like Salem and like that spooky, like part of the country during this time. Sure. Um. So that in my brain, I just can't get it out. They that, call Pearl a kind of like a demon, demon girl. So maybe <laughs> poor Pearl, poor Pearl. Oy, oy, oy. Well. Uh, before we go much further, and before I go into my random <gasps> question generator. No. What did you think of the story, Devin, before we hop in? Well, that's the number one question, so I'm going to hold so off we're going to hold off. Fully. But, um, overall, I feel like there's not a whole lot of, it's a lot of talking, or not, not hold on, it's not. In talking, I mean like narration, not like dialogue. There's a lot of narration and not a whole lot of action, um, which is par with the time period of the writing. But I just would like more from it a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I feel like there are really good moments. Um, there are really strong moments, but also there's times where I'm like, okay, so everyone hates her. Like, what else is new? <laughs> <laughs> give me something else yeah i i really liked it i actually it it didn't have like in my same opinion pull. there it didn't have the same pull as a lot of the classic lit but it was better than i expected because there is mm. something from from the literature of this time that sometimes it's either overly philosophical or it leaves something to be wanted and as i was reading this i was like well i i get why this was written like mm-hmm. I, I get it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, okay. So before we hop in, let me generate a question. Oh, boy. Watch out. <laughs> what is your favorite piece of clothing that you own? What? Yeah, what is your favorite <laughs> piece of clothing? I don't know. Come on. Is it that sweater you're wearing right now? My sweater that I have on right now. Um, <laughs> or is it the fleece know. you left at my house? Oh, yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh i don't know i don't really put a lot of thought and care into articles of clothing um i just got a new suit that i'm gonna be wearing this weekend so why are you wearing it this weekend because it's the black and white dance and i'm chaperoning it you're like such a, boss. a cool kid Devin. i mm-hmm. love that i know i know um my favorite so uh, my favorite changes all the time because I am a, the thing is I'm a clothing junkie, but I don't really wear the clothes I buy. <laughs> I just have a lot of clothes. I don't know why <laughs> I have a shopping addiction. Um, yeah. Tell Tom. 
Uh, he knows. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I would previously have said some type of Converse because that's all I ever used to wear. Mm, um, you know what? I'm retracting that. Yep. I'm going to say my gold <laughs> Converse from, from my your wedding. wedding. <laughs> yeah. So definitely used to be Converse, but I, I want to highlight that I just purchased what I think are my favorite shoes ever. When Ooh. I was in Texas for my cousin's wedding, I found a pair of gold cowboy boots that matched my dress and everyone thought I was ridiculous, but it was in this boutique in the hotel and they had one size and it happened to be my size. So I said to myself, <laughs> I have to get these freaking it's boots. It's fate. It is fate. So I got the boots and the whole wedding, that's all I could talk about was how excited I was about these boots and everyone was like, shut up, basically. <laughs> so that's probably my favorite right now. Um, That's awesome. Or the matching dress that I got for Christmas for me and Miss Jane. We got a little matching uh, brown, so, green yeah. and red dresses, which was fun. Brown is a very festive yeah, super <laughs> Christmas festive. color. Uh, very no. festive. You were adorable. <laughs> Thanks. It's not actually brown, you guys. It was green. I'm just an idiot. Um, okay. So should I go into my summary that I will pull out of my head somehow? Yes, please. I'd like to see this happen. Okay. So, fam, we begin the story with Hester Prynne, and she is being punished by the town because she had sex out of wedlock and was pregnant. And they made her wear this red letter A, which she embroidered with gold and red to try and make more beautiful, whatever it would be. And we begin the story where she is... Um, She's sort of like, everyone's looking at her. She's on this pedestal, so everyone has to stare at her. Scaffold. Um, yeah, scaffold, whatever the word is. And this guy's like lurking around asking people, oh, what did she do? What did she do? And so they tell him, you know, she ha had an affair. The gross man. Yeah. And we find out later, this was her husband, which for some reason, <laughs> did was she not aware that this was her husband? Like how? No, she recognized him. Okay, she recognized him. Whatever, he like vows to find the man. Seek revenge. Seek revenge, find the man, and put him up on that scaffold with her. So, that's super fun. Um, <laughs> and she won't give up who it is. No, she won't. That's one of the big things is that everyone, all these ministers, they're trying to get her to admit who it is, and mm -hmm. she just won't do it. And so there's this other minister named uh, Dimsdale, but what's his first name? Arthur. Arthur Dimsdale. And throughout the story, he's kind of like a guardian angel to Hester. Like at one point, the ministers try to take away her child, Pearl, who is described as this little sprightly demonic type thing, which is funny. I love the, <laughs> the language and the humor of the time, even though they weren't trying to be humorous. It sounds humorous to me. Um, <laughs> but so he, they were trying to take away Pearl and say, well, you're, you're a red letter woman, so we can't have you with a child. And then Dimsdale steps in and he's like, yo, no, like this child will learn from her mother's example and she, her mother, God gifted the child to her mother so she should stay with her. At this point, we kind of start to get an inkling that maybe Dimsdale is involved somehow. He's the guy. Yeah. And Chillingworth ends up <laughs> staying with him at some point. And I think he starts as a physician. Right. He starts to like comprehend what's going on the whole time. Um, Dimsdale feels like heart palpitations and he's got stuff going on. He's like feeling sick. He's like, what the heck is going on? Um, well, come to realize that he's the father of this child. Shocking. Wow. Um, yeah. And so there's this scene that I will talk a lot about later where he's standing on the scaffold at night and Pearl's like, well, are you going to tell people that you're my dad, basically? And he says, no. I, I love her boldness. I know, I know. And he's like, no, Pearl, I'm not going to do that. I'll hold your hand right now, and I'll hold your hand in front of the gates of heaven, but that's about it. And I'm like, what a freaking coward. He's like, not right now, later. Yeah, are you joking? Like, what? And then um, Chillingworth finds out for certain. Hester tries to convince him not to kill Dimsdale or torture him more or whatever. And so Hester and what's his face, Dimsdale meet in the forest. They plan to run away, mm -hmm. uh, live together somewhere else. Go back to England, right. I believe. 
Um, but before this can happen, and I'm kind of forgetting the why behind the seven, so let me know if I missed something. Dimsdale ends up telling the, the town mm-hmm. on the scaffold that he's the father. Yep. There's a particular reason I don't remember why at this point, but basically he then dies of a heart attack. Yep. Is that right? And yeah, so then Hester and Pearl leave the country and... I don't think they leave the country. I think they just leave the town. Yeah, they leave the town, whatever it is. They yeah, leave yeah. and Pearl stays for a while. Hester comes back and lives there as like this example of what's going on. But I think people yeah, for the most everyone part... respects her now. Yeah, they she leave her alone. Respect. They leave her alone, which is funny. But I think it, it probably comes from the fact that she was willing to bear the weight of the Red A the whole time when Dimsdale mm-hmm. wasn't. So, um, but yeah, so that's kind of the story. It's not the most romantic story. No. Though I will say, <laughs> I will say there is a romance aspect. So let's talk about it. Yeah, this, this one is definitely a bit different than our normal mm-hmm. episodes in the sense that it's... There, there is romance in this novel, but it's not like it's not a Allie Hazelwood it's not or like mm-hmm. um, kind of vibe. Um, and um, so there's a lot of commentary on society and there's a lot of commentary on um, um, guilt in a sense here as well so we'll talk about yeah, a bunch of different a things thing. but it's really going to be more of like a literary criticism oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> i tried to steer our questions into focusing on their relationship but um we'll get there so question number one. First off what were your thoughts on this reread did you get anything new out of it well given the fact that i haven't really read it before <laughs> it's this was your first time it was my well i've read excerpts you know like in, uh, okay. in in college we we took excerpts of it and would compare it to other things like i remember a distinct comparison between it and the crucible we had to do like a paper on that um but i've never read it full through um and but what i got out of it like literary wise i thought it was really interesting the the juxtaposition between someone who's facing like actual public scrutiny versus mm-hmm. the scrutiny that Dimsdale gives to himself because he's feeling right. guilty. His self right. scrutiny. So Hester's apparent guilt, I think, is washed away in her own heart once the public knows and she's just living in it. She's like, mm-hmm. This is my life, this is my reality. Whereas Dimsdale <laughs> lives in the public light. And he just tortures himself, which Mm -hmm. I find really interesting, the comparison there. Um, And it also just, it tells you, like, it's a worse thing. Because if you consider his end, it is a worse thing to torture yourself than to be tortured by the outlook and perspectives of others. Like, if you live in truth, it's going to be better for you. And I feel like that's a really important, powerful message. Um, And then the only other thing I really noticed, which I thought was interesting... I was on Sparknotes before I read because all of these like older stories, I have to start, even if I ruin it for myself, I don't care. It makes it like much easier to read. Um, it actually tagged it as a romance. And I don't Which get I mean, that. It has elements. There are elements of romance, but I think maybe for this time, like anything with a romance in it remotely could be considered <laughs> that way. But. I just don't really consider it a romance, so I thought that that was interesting. Um, I mean, the 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 premise of the entire story is their relationship. It's just not really highlighted mm-hmm. as heavily as a romance today. Yeah. So I think that is the driving force. Is that today's romance is like, I mean, there's romance passion. But, uh, there's passion, but then there's like spicy romance today, mm-hmm. and it's the reader's objectivity to figure out, okay, is this for me? Is this not for right. me kind of deal? Right. Um, but in rereading this, so I read this in college um, for one of my classes and I really enjoyed it the first time I read it. It's a lot to read, <laughs> especially yeah. on a, on a quick time frame yeah. that a college schedule uh, demands. Uh, it was very taxing and I feel like there were times that I, might have like read a chapter and then like um 
maybe like spark noted a piece and then that's what you have to do like i kept on like flip-flopping between the two so that i could just like keep moving forward um with all my other texts that i had so i was picking up pieces here and there and then the discussions in class are what really helped me um thrive with this text Mm -hmm. um like even when i was rereading it and listening to it i was like oh my gosh i remember that and we talked about that and we talked about that um and it was really interesting to to relive that experience again um did i get anything new out of it um i definitely like you said focus a lot more on the portrayal of the characters and um her willingness her boldness and she is bold and her and his timidity um in restraining from um stepping out into the to the light about this issue yep um he's a little bit of a coward he is a coward but i don't know if that's just because of the juxtaposition of her character or if he actually like if he actually is a cat. Like, no, he is. Get, Here's why. So? Because she is a woman and she has so much more to lose. And I get that her, the only reason people know is because she's pregnant. So I don't know if she would have told people if she wasn't pregnant. Probably not. Um, but if you're a man and you see the other half of your, the person who committed the other half of your sin and they're being berated, what kind of man are you to stand there First of all, not only avoid telling people, but second of all, pretend that you're virtuous. Like, mm-hmm. and I, I get it. Like, you can still be, a, this is very Western thinking. You can still be virtuous and have done this. There's redemption. There's all of these things. But in this particular case, people were, were, were just acting like terrible, terrible to her. And he's sitting there and he's like, I could tell everyone, but I'm not going to. And not only that, I'm, I'm going to live a privileged lifestyle as a minister. Yeah, but he also no. tortures himself through it as well. Well, then tell people the freaking truth. Like, if you're torturing yourself already, that's not bravery to me. He's torturing himself because he wasn't brave. Like, just tell people and you wouldn't have died of a heart attack after all this freaking torture. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. Yeah, I cannot, I mean, especially because Hester had to deal with it all herself. Oh, I agree. I, I, I wholly, I, I, absolutely. I just, mm, I there are times that I'm like, wow, he's being a real wimp right now. Mm-hmm. And there's other times I'm like, I get it because why should he offer that up? Neither of them should have had to. But that's the thing. For for scrutiny. That's so, a like, very Western thought that you're saying. I'm saying if they live in a society where Hester was required to be punished by the town, then he should have also be punished by the have. town. Yeah. If they live in a Western culture, who the frick cares? We also don't know. We also don't know what their relationship was like. No. Leading up to this, and like, was it a long thing or was it just a quick? I think he mentions it was sort of a moment of weakness for him. Mm. Um, so I, I guess like why he's probably considering, and this is probably what I would also consider: should I risk my whole reputation on this moment for of weakness? Correct. But that's weakness because it's the truth of what happened. I mm. like for me. If you told someone that in this day and age, no one would bat an eyelash. That's fine. But at least tell the truth about yourself. Right. If someone else is dealing with this alone, get your butt over there, you know? Speak your truth. Speak your truth. But we mean it in a little <laughs> bit of a negative connotation in this sense. <laughs> um, okay, sorry. I'm being, like, crazy about this. but You're fine. So let's begin talking about Chillingworth. Did Hester love Chillingworth? Should he go on a mission for revenge after the events that took place? <laughs> Gross. Gross. Um, did Hester love Chillingworth? No. Big and then she, nope. She definitely vocalizes it to him. She's like, I kind of married you for the ticket out of the country kind of deal. Yep. Like, I had no intentions of really being with, uh, like, in actually loving you. Yeah. Um, if he would have showed up on time, maybe she wouldn't have had to uh, fight for herself kind of deal. Um, yeah, I mean, she still did something as wrong. A sing- as a single... Oh, absolutely. Marrying but as a, as a single woman, as a single woman in a new country trying to make a living, 
without her husband there with her, I don't blame her for, especially when she didn't have those feelings towards him, for um, having to find some comfort in Mm -hmm. the chaos of the new world. We don't Um, get a ton of their their stories from before mm-hmm. we just get the punishment which i think is intentional because we're not even allowed to empathize with them before the town makes a decision about them which right. puts us in the town's position even yeah, though we just judge her right away right exactly so it's interesting but um yeah I, she definitely didn't love him and and obviously he he has a right <laughs> to go on a revenge path but should he know because he barely knows this woman he he's treating it more like property like you mm. took my property and therefore i'm going to have revenge he didn't even know or love her that much so it must have come from the perspective of ownership um which is sad yeah he i mean if he wasn't of that type of society he could have just accepted her and helped raise the child as his own kind of deal um, instead, he also pushed her away, changed his name so that way no one knew who he was, yeah. um, made her swear that she would never tell anyone, and then, like, tries to hunt down who her past love, like, this lover was, and um, and seek revenge and demand retribution for the act of betraying. Like, it just seems... Secrecy destroys, and I think that's one of the things... This is why mm-hmm. telling the truth is so important, even if no one cares to hear it. At least living in a true lifestyle is the only type of lifestyle that leads to anything good in the end. I mean, how many stories have we heard about people hiding things from as little as on Friends when Fran- uh, Chandler and Monica <laughs> don't tell about their relationship to as big as something like this? You know, whenever you she hide this crap, I will harp on it all day. It's so stupid. <laughs> But we learn this in every sitcom, in every big story. There's always a secret that needs to be told. If you watch the show Suits, which we have to add to our list, the entire freaking premise, (laughs) it's so annoying, is that he's telling a lie about who he is. And, like, it just just is the whole plot problem. So just stop lying. Stop it. Okay, we'll get to... I think there's another question about secrets. Yes, actually, Mm -hmm. it's the next one. (laughs) You ready for it? I am. Let's do it. How does the secrecy surrounding Hester and Dimsdale's relationship impact their connection? We just talked about this. I hate a little bit, yeah. Secrecy. It gives them this <laughs> sneaking about type of thing. And I just like it it makes a good story for sure because it talks about guilt and all of these different things. But it's just shady and crappy, and I never like it. Their their connection is one that is shrouded in darkness. They only have a connection when they're in the dark of the night or they're in the dark of the forest or whatever. When mm-hmm. he finally has the light of day, he literally dies because he puts so much pressure on himself. I'm just like, man, like relationships man. need to be something that are full <laughs> of light and airiness and truth because otherwise... They're just full of drama and suspense and darkness. And that just really shows in their relationship here. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's interesting the web that is spun around the relationship when they can do nothing to kind of stop it from happening. Um, The slander is already thrown towards her and she's not willing like... I give her the props for bearing the weight of her secrecy. She holds two secrets throughout this, which is one, um, who the father is, and two, who Chillingworth is. Um, those are two huge secrets that she... Sorry, y'all. My screen froze for a moment there. Um, but she does hold these two secrets, and both of them are not really hers to hold on to, um, but she bears the weight of them regardless. Um she should not necessarily have to hold the secret to any of these men, but through her boldness, she's just willing to throw it upon her shoulders along with everything else that's being thrown her way. Mm -hmm. Um, So it definitely puts a damper on it, but I also think that secrecy also adds a layer of, um, of heightened... Um, it's in the dark and it's in the forest when they 
are able to reconnect and um, be themselves again um, without having anyone's eyes on them. Um, now, is that their truest nature? No, but it, it gives them the opportunity to be um, more upfront with each other mm -hmm. and to be honest with each other. So there are layers to this. I like some elements of this secrecy, but other parts I'm like, man, that ain't right. So that ain't right. That ain't I right. I love that the, that ain't right was included in this like old language story. Like <laughs> the Scarlet Letter, that ain't right. I feel like that could be like a... <laughs> Should be a bumper sticker. Yeah. Okay, cool. So what's next? And actually, yes, we should because I want to make uh, merch. But that's that's you neither here that, nor there. And it never, it's never. Yeah. <laughs> um, Our lives are way too hectic. Yeah. In what ways does guilt influence the dynamics of Hester and Dimsdale's romance? Huge. Um, a lot of Dimsdale's character is built upon guilt, um, mm -hmm. at least from what we know of him. Um, sure. It impacts him dramatically and it impacts his um, literal physical being. Mm -hmm. um, it's so strong and so powerful that he has heart palpitations or like pain because he can't deal with the guilt of holding all this tension holding all this inside of him when all he wants to do is get it out but he's not willing to allow that to happen um and he also like sees hester and print and i said hester and print hester and pearl mm -hmm. it's hester print is her full name duh um, Hester and Pearl and he feels guilty for the life that they have to lead with the shame that there's cast upon them and he can't help them with that so there's a lot of guilt that is riding on this um, I don't think Hester really experiences guilt but she is a little bit understanding of his guilt um, and I think it draws a bit of a connection between them she has some compassion for him um, for the guilt that he uh, builds up within his being. Um, I mean, she's so strong that she wishes that she could take the guilt off of his, his own shoulders at times. Mm -hmm. So, cool. So I also find it interesting that the guilt also adds to his character, it, not just in a negative way, but also in a positive way, and the fact that he... Um, is able to connect better to his townspeople. He's able to give. <laughs> I hear her. <laughs> He's able to give better um, messages and more meaningful messages for his people because he has become emotionally vulnerable. Um, all the while, um, before this, he he just was not necessarily like stone cold with his emotions, but he was just not as in touch with his emotions and able to be empathetically um, passionate towards others. So because of this guilt that he has taken upon himself um, for the fact that uh, Hester has kind of taken the blame for everything, um, he's able to connect as a better leader for his congregation and able to just be a better guide. Even though he's going through a lot, he's able to just connect more um, passionately with his audience in that way. Um, yeah, you make good points, Devin. But thanks. Uh, <laughs> basically, guilt influences their entire relationship. That's all. Like Dim, the at least as far as all that we see, the act mm -hmm. in itself, the two of them can't deal with whether or not they should be guilty for it. And then Dimsdale, his entire relationship, and then every time Hester comes up to him, he feels guilty. And Hester has to deal with the scarlet letter on her breast. Like, man, the two of them, they just can't have a relationship because all their relationships sp like spun out of was the act that makes them guilty. So yeah. that's really it. That's all that I have there, but. Guilt is cool. the whole point of this Guilt relationship. Guilt is the whole story. It's the whole shebang. All right, continuing. Let's take a moment to explore the symbolism of the Scarlet Letter. What's its role in shaping their relationship? 
It's the one. So other than her <laughs> being physical, like physically pregnant, it's the it is the thing that sets her out. When people look at her, it is the physical depiction of her sin on her chest. Mm-hmm. He has one burned to his chest somehow because I think he was like doing that to himself. But he wears it underneath his shirt so no one right. knows it except himself. So it's just even more symbolic about the inner turmoil and guilt that he's going through while mm-hmm. she wears it on her chest and she feels comfortable and confident. I mean, not always comfortable around people, but confident in like moving on from that sin. Um, so her wearing that on her sleeve almost is the thing that sets her free from branding it to her own skin. Right. Yeah, and I find it interesting that she makes it the most beautiful letter yeah, that yep, she can. Yep. Like, if she's going to have to own it, she's going to own she's it. She's going to own it, yeah. Um, and it is. It's it's huge in um, setting them both apart, the juxtaposition, like we said, of their characters. But here we have the physical representation of their sin displayed, and yep. he can't wear it, so yep. he has to wear his... Um, beneath the surface um i also think it's funny that it reappears reappears um in the sky there's a meteor or something yeah um in the sky one night when they're together and um he sees it and he's like oh it's a letter a and the next day people are commenting in town yeah it was a letter a it stood for angel whereas he was like no that was like an a for my sin like (laughs) that was a visual representation of my sin there in the sky for everyone to see that uh so um and she does take it off when they're in the forest together. Yep. Um when they make the plan and she's like, "Okay, this is it. I'm done." And she throws the letter down, she lets her hair down. Yes, girl. And <laughs> yes, girl. Yes, queen. <laughs> um so it's her release of it and then Pearl being the sprite child that she is. Um, demands that her mom put it back on. Yep, she's like, it's pretty. It's pretty. (laughs) Accept it. Yep. Which is also really important that this child is just like naive to the fact of That it's a problem. Yeah, she's just like, what's what's wrong with it? Like, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like, you should be able to wear it and be proud of it kind of deal. Amen, girly Um, (laughs) cue. But, so, what's the next question? Do we already, oh, Okay, so what are Hester and Dimsdale's best qualities and what do they bring to their relationship? What draws these two together? Yo, Hester's a boss. Yeah. <laughs> Hester's a boss. Uh, we already talked about a lot of her qualities, but she is just so strong and so headstrong. Um, she's brave. She yep. faces adversity head on. Yes, she does. Um she is very resilient as well. And I think a lot of their relationship falls on her shoulders as well. Um, so it's all these qualities that she brings to the relationship. And I think that's what he sees in her is her braveness and her resiliency. And he's like, yeah, I wish I was like that. <laughs> yeah. I, and that's, and that's really what draws him to her is that, wow, I wish I had some of this tenacity that you have kind of deal. Um, Dimsdale? Yeah. Um, I don't really know what brought these two together. He's ma- um, probably he's he hot. Seems to be, he's probably hot. He seems to be young, a young uh, minister, and he seems to be well-liked in town. He seems to be um, relatively, I mean, he's young, so maybe he's relatively handsome. Yeah. Um, she married this older feller and... <laughs> who had a disformation. Um, so she kind of just wants something different. And yeah. Isn't he good I, with words, too? He is. I think yes, he's he good with words. sweet talk. So he probably sweet talked her, if we're honest. Um, I don't really know much about Dimsdale, but I'll, I'll just... Uh, I'm trying to think of, like, what are some of his better qualities? Um, probably just the fact that he's a minister i mean he was considered a very valuable member of society but he He becomes very empathetic towards others right he didn't tell the truth though he becomes that way but he he wasn't like this at first this is why i think hester really does all the changing of dimsdale Mm -hmm. in this i mean she is the one 
who has to sit in this and deal with it. And then he, from her example, actually becomes a true minister by telling the truth. Um, So I think that's what happens. Like eventually he does tell the truth. And I was going to say, if he didn't end up doing that, I would have lost my crap. He needed to tell the truth. And once he did, then Mm. he was actually an official minister of the Lord, in my opinion. Um, (laughs) But yes. Yeah, for sure. So now let's take a moment and switch over to Pearl. Yes, we're doing this while I have my own demon child in my hands right (laughs) now. She's not a demon child. (laughs) She's precious. Preciosa. Um, How does Pearl impact the dynamics of their relationship? Uh, uh, She's a child. A child (laughs) impacts the dynamics of any relationship. But Pearl in particular, like we were talking about before, is such a spitfire. She just tells it like Mm. it is. She's really one of the reasons that Dimsdale is torturing himself so much because she's constantly like, hey, dad, are you going to tell people about this? Are you going to tell people? And he's like, no, no, no. But I think like it's her constant, you know, pushing of him and pushing of her mother that keeps them honest and keeps them true, at least for for Dimsdale eventually, but for Hester most of the time. Like when she tells her, no, wear the scarlet letter, wear it with pride. She's not saying it because she knows that she should be wearing her affair with pride, but based on the fact that it's beautiful, she says you need to wear this, the truth, upon your breast. Like, that's a very, like, iconic, symbolic moment. Um, but, yeah, she... I she, love how proud... Not proud. I don't know if that's the right word. But she's very stubborn. Yep. Uh, he's like, take my hand. She's like, nah. Not, not until you do it. Not, not until you do it in the light, buddy. Right. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, Pearl. Um, but... She is another symbol of their relationship. Um, and she does represent, I feel like I remember um, reading that she does She does have physical features of both of them. Yep. Um, although not like straightforward in terms of like, oh, this is clearly Demzilla's child. But like she does resemble some of his nature as well. But she, like you said, she's a spitfire. She like, I have issues understanding her character because she's a little bit um i mean she's only like seven at the eight at the time of the end of the novel so this novel spans seven years at least um from um her birth till the end and even the end uh it kind of is an epilogue towards pearl as right, well right but um i mean like you said it's hard forming a relationship when there's a symbol of your relationship in front of everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, it's hard to talk about the elephant in the room when the elephant's in the room. It's literally <laughs> in the room. Everyone has an opinion about the elephant because they can see it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Pearl's the elephant. <laughs> uh why do these two eventually find hope in one another? What does it take for them to see this hope instead of despair? Um, so I wrote this question because yeah. it's a question that I have. I don't know. Yeah. What, what, like, why do these two eventually find hope in one another? I feel like they just need it in a society that's so focused on hatred and despair and trying to be holy or respectable when you know downright that you aren't that way either. Like, yeah. why are you holding everyone else accountable or to this high standard when you yourself can't? Um, I just, um, they needed to escape and they, they know that they needed to escape together. My um, one problem with secret relationships like this is they're the only two that have the full picture and mm-hmm. therefore, like, no one else can really give a good perspective. So if Hester were ever to need advice or anything, people couldn't really give her good advice right. or Dimsdale because no one else they're the it. only two in the room who understand the full extent of what they're going through. So that's why they mm-hmm. find hope in one another. However, there's not much hope for them because, like I said before, they're not willing to tell the truth until the end when he dies. But the hope 
it's false hope that they have in one another, and that's why they never make it. Only Hester does. Yeah. Um, but what does it take for them to see this hope instead of despair? I think it's just they've seen so much despair that they need to have hope. Like yeah. there's that need to want something bigger than what they are, like something more than what they already have yeah. kind of deal. Yeah. Um, how am I going to um, make it in this world if I'm being tortured by my past? So why not just accept it together and move forward from there? Yep. So I think they, I think she, it's, she, she, you're right. She's forced to find hope in him. Is he the best option? I don't know. No, because like, he's a wuss. But he's the only one that knows, knows her for what she's done mm-hmm. and will accept her for what she's done. Yep. But he's only accepting of her because he's the second one who's been through it. If he, and I don't know anything about his character otherwise, but I wonder if another woman and man had an affair and ended up pregnant in this perspective. Would he have been a hope to them, or would he have been like the other ministers? You know, Edging. I don't know. Mm. Interesting. Very. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Okay. Um, how does the announcement of Dis of Dim a little? Bit. How does the announcement of Dimsdale as Pearl's father change the the dynamics of their relationship? Could they have had a happy ending? If he admitted it from the beginning, they could have had a happy ending. He cho- it's his timing. She's so angry right It is his now. stupid effing timing that screws everything up. The whole time, everyone's like, can you tell the truth now? Pearl's like, tell the truth now. He's like, no, I can't do it. I'll suffer, I'll suffer so much shame. But you could have had a happy ending, man, if you just did this earlier. Didn't mm. torture yourself until the very end. I'm sorry to say, but... It's his own fault that he ends up this way. Yeah. I just... And it's interesting that much of the the town doesn't really believe that when he says, like, I did this thing, guys, and they're like, nah, nah. you didn't do it. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> you're too good. Be you. Dimsdale, you're and he's like, no, guy. I did it. I did it. Yep. And then he dies to prove himself. Um, yeah, so... Um, I do think it's a beautiful moment and I, I love the way it's described because they like hold hands together on the scaffold and there's like this electrifying pulse that goes through them and this uniting factor that both the people who were a part of the thing and then the, the symbol, the daughter, um, they're all together and it's just in completion. Yep. So I love that moment. Um, I think it's beautiful and it really is a unifying factor for the three of them and the potential that they could have if he were not to die. <laughs> um, yeah. But could they have had a happy ending? I do think they could have, like you said, if he would have um, accepted this earlier. Hi, Jane, I hear you. Mm-hmm. She's um, saying hi. This is my scarlet letter here. <laughs> She's beautiful. <laughs> my demon child, my sprite. Right, Jane? Um, yes. Hi, Jane. She's drooling into the camera right now for everyone. Yes. Stunning. Um, but like you said, I think they could have, I think they could have even have had one on the scaffold if he were not to torture himself so much. Agreed. Like Agreed. He, puts him, he puts himself through the ringer, um, instead of just accepting it, he like goes overboard and, you know. Yep. You know. So, how do Hester and Pearl both grow after the events that take place on the scaffold? I love this. Me too. Um, so, they both... We don't get a whole lot from Pearl's perspective uh, ever, really. But we also don't get a whole lot in this like epilogue chapter kind of deal. We're just kind of assuming that she... Well, she receives payment from like a dowry in a sense or some type of, uh, no, what am I trying to say? Um, with Chillingworth de- dead, he leaves money for her. Mm-hmm. So we're assuming that she has accepted this and has gone off and become a woman of her own, accepted in society, and maybe even has a prosperous marriage, right? She she might have a future yep. with someone. Um, she has grown from this experience. She's seen... Um, how the world 
works. She's seen how um, she she was ex- accepted and recognized as this person's daughter, so she has a little bit of fulfillment there. Um, but she's able to go out into the world and make something of herself because of the the drive and guidance of her mother. Yep. And we get to see Hester come back to town after the events. And she's like held in this worthy position. Yeah. She's respected and as like this wise veteran that um, served is, her sentence and now she's. Yeah. In yeah. the sense, in the, the, the serving of her sentence is what has made her so great. Everyone um, idolizes her or admires her because she's gone through this, this, this sentencing. Yeah. Uh, and the pain of it all. So I think it's really interesting to see how both of these individuals had some difficulty and were able to rise above it. Yeah, I think in this way, Hester was right when the ministers were trying to take her daughter away. It's better for Pearl to grow up seeing her mother's hardship and learning what it means to tell the truth, what it means to feel guilty, like what it means to deal with all of this. So I think Pearl is better for it. Even though she's described as a sprightly child, like (laughs) I don't really see that as a compelling uh, description. And so as she's older, as she gets older, we see that she actually grows into like a good adult. One who, well, I guess we don't know too much, but she at least has a happy marriage. She's not coming back to this crazy ass town. Like she's just like, yeah, she's just established. And Hester, I love that she can come back. I, I, it's another bold move on her part to come back because she doesn't know how she's going to be treated until she right, is to back. the town to the town that outcasted her. Yeah, so I think that Hester has grown in strength, and that's just one of the reasons when she shows her face, it's not like she's afraid, or it's not mm-hmm. like they hate her still, but it's more like, oh, you're showing your face again. The woman who stands in her truth will never hide from it, so they respect her, and that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really do think it's great. So, do we get to the end here? Do we ship it? Nope. <laughs> Dimsdale is a jerk. I ship Hester by herself. I think we've said this about a Amen. few people, like Rory by herself. Rory, Hester, but not by for herself. the right reason. Yeah, no, no, no. Hester, honestly. Hester for the right reason by herself. Hester deserves a good man, but she's mm. not going to get one, unfortunately. And she's better off alone than with Dimsdale who literally can't tell the truth. Although he does tell the truth in the end, so maybe I would have shipped it if there was a redemption arc, but... I just would like more than just this social commentary. Yeah. Like, I think... I think um, It's Hawthorne, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think Hawthorne's doing a lot of social commentary, which is good, but I'm not getting enough of the actual, like, meat of the story to, yeah. like get a good feeling of it that's true um, we're also missing a lot of key relationship and, closure and the narrator the narrator is like yeah i i heard about this and here i'm gonna tell the truth about it kind of deal like it, it's written almost as this bio, like historical yeah. biographical kind of thing yeah um, a lot of stories back then were because I, I don't know if it's because it didn't make sense to just tell a story without the context of why it's being told or what it was mm-hmm. but um yeah, it, it makes it kind of like not relatable. It makes it more like a fable yeah. than a story. I really wish I would have skipped the custom house this time around. I didn't read that. I did not <laughs> like, read that. It's like two hours of just like Nope. Non uh-uh. like it, it 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 like some of it applies to the book, but honestly it's just like the narrator It's probably himself. more helpful to read it afterwards as like an aside. Probably. Like, because you already know the story, you know, like the lesson it's going to tell you. But reading that first must be such a drag and such a thing that turns people off from finishing the story. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. But yeah, I also agree. I don't I, I don't ship it. I, I, I just. Neither does Jane, evidently. <laughs> Neither does Jane. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just would like more to say yes or no to. But they really just. There are only very small snippets of them being together, yeah. and I don't think it's enough for me to really judge um, their relationship off of. Um, I wish I would have gotten a little bit more, even like a sneak peek of what that, ex- what led to them. Um, 
being weak, quote unquote weak and being together. Like I want to see like what that would have been like and to see if it was real feelings or if it was just like weakness. Like, did they have a relationship? Was it real? Or were they just like forming this Stockholmish type relationship because of the tragedies that they're facing together? That seems more likely to me. Like, it almost feels like, oh, we're thrust upon it. Like, we have to be together because of... Because <laughs> no one else will take you now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So, I'd like more. I want more. That's what I... I really enjoyed college for the fact that we were able to, like, have these... Have it almost out. Almost book clubs type thing. Like, yeah. And just talk about it with other people in the room that were, like, also having Another thing thoughts. I want to do with We Ship It that I haven't done yet is our freaking book club. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. I'm just so depressed. No, you're it's not. It's fine, baby girl. I'm just kidding. I'm not depressed. Or am I? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I think that about wraps up our little spooky episode. It really does. But, I mean, those are our thoughts. You keep on saying spooky. <laughs> I consider it spooky that someone would have to be put on a freaking scaffold for having sex with someone else. Weird times, man. Weird times. But, so those are our thoughts. For three hours. Yeah. So those are our thoughts. So we have one comment that came in from Katie. And Katie says, ooh, bring me back to high school. I really liked Hester and her bravery in the face of public humiliation. Dimsdale was a big weenie. And I couldn't agree <laughs> more. Thank you, it. Katie. I love it. She just calls him out. It's fair. He's a big weenie. He is a big weenie. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's all we got, folks. That's all, folks. Yeah, well, so everyone, thank you so much for listening. Um, rate and review if you've been listening we love to like know what you're thinking how we should be changing what we're doing well so please rate and review it really helps us out absolutely and if you are interested in joining us on an episode on an episode or you want to leave us a comment feel free to reach out to us on social media or you can email us at we ship it podcast at gmail.com yay we're almost to the end of season five we Crazy. love you shippers thou shalt not go alone See you next time. See you guys.